Greetings and love, everyone. It is November the 22nd, 2021 at 7.36 p.m. on the West Coast. My name is Tom, and I'm here with Nostri Libertas and my partner, Marsha. Hello, everybody. Uh, tonight, we're actually starting a new Monday night series titled Sanctuary. And we're going to attempt to, little by little, uh, introduce this as we go. But in a nutshell, we discovered that there is kind of a global phenomenon going on that is pulling more and more humans into it. And we suspect that the reason for this is that adults don't have an appropriate space from which to feel themselves. And so the hope is to create a sanctuary that occurs every Monday evening. People can count on this as an opportunity to you know, possibly find themselves, but maybe see examples of how other people are slowly but surely finding themselves within the um, the, the temple with the, the little pulse within the chaos. We'll just say that there's always this calm pulse within the chaos of our everyday lives. And so uh, those that are exemplifying courage, we're going to be able to hear about their experiences without any fluff or politically correct language. We're going to allow people to come on and speak to their personal truths within what they're experiencing. Um, Marsha, could you add to that? Uh, I'm trying to give a nutshell example of this because we're going to keep explaining this as we go. Essentially, just wanting to fill this gap that we feel when we kind of went into spirit about what does the world need right now that we can offer. And it's just a space, a space where people can be real and authentic and speak what's on their mind and receive upliftment and inspiration and support from each other. And generally just have something uplifting to look forward to where you feel like you've left with a heart connection and a way to have some momentum within the realms of your own soul so that you can establish a firm foundation in what is a very, uh, you know, time that really wants to just rock everybody's boat. Very well put. Um, we're going to hopefully be beating a little bit of a drum that will inspire people's sense of loyalty to what we describe as uh, the higher self or to the cosmic niggling of what we describe as weave or as the soul or whatever uh, label you want to put on that. We're attempting to kind of create a clarity, a little space that can allow for clarity to occur. Um, the world right now is, is clearly um chaotic to say the least but there are particular trends that are occurring that are specifically engineered to pull people out of their personal awareness or out of their personal uh courage and and uh, force them to enter into what we would describe as an altered emotional state and from that emotional state all sorts of um innuendos and suggestions and uh, coercions and perversions can be used against the, the human mind. And the 
uh, healing from that, the therapy from that is literally creating a space where people can experience others, um, exemplifying courage, speaking to courage, speaking also to loyalty and the uh, values and principles that we hold most dear. Um, there is a bit of a stigmatization that's occurring right now um, where there is a gesture towards allowing people to speak their minds. But then once that occurs, you might actually be uh, marginalized or stigmatized or painted as something that you're not. And so really the public, uh, the public square, the public venue has kind of been a vacuum, an echo chamber. And that's kind of what we're hoping to uh, counterweight with this Monday gathering, wherein adults can feel free to talk and speak and act like adults. And that means that we're not going to pull punches or try to use comfortable language that's pre-approved. We're going to maintain uh, respect for each other. That's by far the most uh, high priority aspect of all of this, because if we don't have respect amongst ourselves, then the space itself isn't really going to feel that safe to people. And so the difference between the gesture between a safe space and an actual safe space is that we're navigating our way through all of these trends that are occurring in society itself that is magnetizing people towards a light that isn't their own authentic individual personal light, but is something that is uh, prefabricated and generally very subversive. And so a lot of time or many of the times here, you'll be having us speak also to what is not a safe space, you know, and, and what is simply a gesture towards one instead of something that actually is. And so um, what I'm personally witnessing in the language that I put around it is that I'm actually seeing a deficit of maturity within the public square, whether you look on media, whether you look to the uh, perceived authorities, whether those authorities are in government or in the medical establishment, doesn't seem to matter anymore. It seems like we have lost a sense of maturity and that the narratives are now simply being controlled. You know, that, that doesn't really work uh, amongst adults because the moment you try to muzzle another adult, then you're taking a parental relationship towards them right and that's not a respectful relationship among mutual adults so there's this distortion that i'm witnessing and i'm finding that more and more people are accepting this distortion as their new reality instead of holding true and maintaining a sense of loyalty um towards what they hopefully can feel is the truth. Um, I think people are actually more intelligent than what they're showing. I feel that there is obviously some emotional manipulation occurring that takes genuinely intelligent people and coerces them into making uh, irreversible decisions with their life.
it's troubling to observe, but we're, you know, creating the safe space to speak to what we're experiencing and observing within that. Um, Marcia, you brought up uh, earlier that there were some themes that you felt came through within the process of uh, tapping into the to uh, to do readings and uh, maintain the the client relationships that you felt were were very um, poignant to bring up within this within this context of the sanctuary. Yes, the first thing I want to speak to just before I forget this part, because spirit really wants us to understand our power as human creators. We have the ability right now to, with our thoughts, our word, our deed, to seed an entirely new reality that is completely ensouled in a physical form. Or we have the power to accept a narrative that is being fed to us and because we're so powerful, actually make that reality our reality with a capital R. So we have the choice point right now, uh, individually and collectively, of which lane we're going to be in. Are we choosing this original organic timeline, the, the God-sourced natural timeline, or are we choosing something that is being given to us because it allows us to abdicate any sense of responsibility and it allows us to sort of make choices that are easy or convenient rather than the ones like you said that may take a little more courage and so some of the themes that have really been coming up within readings and just with a lot of the people that I'm speaking to is that um, there's a lot of feelings of loneliness and isolation and this deep uneasiness um, that no one can really pinpoint, as well as this hypervigilant feeling that like something is about to ambush us from a direction um, that we can't really ascertain. And it's leaving people feeling lost, depressed, confused, without direction, without purpose. And Spirit said, you know, feeling like you're wandering in the desert for ages and nothing is happening. And so that is the kind of the, the theme, the underlying theme that we'll be speaking to and addressing tonight. And then also this sense of, are we a creator or a consumer? Because where we're placing our attention and our energy and intention right now is everything. And spirit isn't saying like creator, like, you know, get out there and be this big thing. It can be as simple as how are we making our coffee in the morning? How are we uh, being present with our children? You know, there's so many different ways to experience creator energy. It's not just about, you know, maybe what the physical, you know, act of creation. Um, or are we just kind of sitting behind a screen and are we just consuming and then maybe regurgitating uh, that which we're being fed? And how are we spending a portion of our time? Because that is going to affect how we are grounded and anchored in this next coming evolution. So those are kind of the, the bigger themes. Um, and then there's a little bit of uh, kind of energy that transmissions that have come through around each of those. And it will be that we're speaking to the, oh, the byproduct or the deleterious effect that comes from being a consumer through simply being trained by those around you to be a consumer. We are what we're surrounded by. And if we don't know that there's 
another way, then we can't exactly be faulted for doing things the only way we know how. Um, There's kind of a, I don't know if it's worth calling it a mystic um, reality, or there's uh, an opportunity to, to tap into something that allows you to lead your life as a creator through intent and gratitude that's mixed with just simple presence, just your simple presence that you're bringing to your average everyday mundane activities. And that includes your interactions with other people. And most importantly, deals with your interactions with other people, because we are now in a, a war, so to speak. We are now in a very serious matter where our interactions with each other just became altogether more important because like Marsha just brought up, we're either feeding the consumer matrix or we're leading people out of their uh, only known reality. And um, that's kind of what the sanctuary is really going to be about is speaking sometimes to the, the results, what happens when you live this consumer based uh, lifestyle and it ends up giving you these, you know, uh, features that Marsha des- described, which, you know, that deep sense of uneasiness, this foreboding uh, uh, notion, it it comes over all of us on our path. There is no uh, escaping it. You're going to have to deal with that at some point. But we're also speaking to this as a collective dis-ease and that we don't need to pull that boulder up the hill if we don't want to the moment you decide that that you know route or that path is not for you then there is this more expanded opportunity um to see where you yourself are consuming uh a a part of the collective matrix It, it it's just simply kind of putting a name on it and then accepting it and moving on uh, Marsha is going to bring up some themes that are kind of like relevant to the now, but you'll also find that they're universally relevant or have a timeless aspect to them because it's literally part of the human condition. Because as people attempting to overcome their karmic ignorance, we are by our nature consumers. We uh, replicate what we see in the world so unless we just grew up around literal mystics who were you know leading their life through their more expanded selves right from your diapers onward you're probably developed some habits as a consumer so marsh is going to speak to the contrast and comparisons of what the consumer life versus the creator life will consist of um feel free to uh, bump in here, Marsha, whenever it feels natural. Well, the first thing Spirit wanted to speak to regarding us individually and collectively is that we're in this energy of going the distance. And when you're going the distance, when you're wandering through the desert, it's a lot harder to be like, I'll make a picture today or I'll cook this great meal for myself. It's a lot easier to just sit back and consume, you know, the Netflix or social media. And then, you know, two or three or five hours have gone by. And that is a way that we are losing our precious life force. And so 
spirit is acknowledging that it's really challenging on the human to go the distance right now, that all of these feelings are not pleasant feelings. And yet it's creating this resilient spirit and it's developing survival skills and a sense of soulful resilience that is going to be necessary specifically within the next seven to 10 to 12 years. Spirit also mentioned that even though it feels very constricting to our human ego personality self, it's actually teaching us how to conserve our strength and our energy and being wise and selective about where we are spending this energy currency. So we might've been spending it on people or places or careers that were actually draining our life force. And suddenly it's just not possible to do that anymore. And so we're really learning how to conserve that strength and that energy. And Spirit made the analogy of, you know, money. You know, if we have so much money that we don't know what to do with, we're likely to spend it in a more lackadaisical way than someone, you know, who's got more limited funds. And so we're we're really learning how to um, preserve ourselves, even though to the human have any more energy. I used to have so much energy. Whereas to the soul, it is, I am using my energy purposefully now. And it's about listening to the call because that will always come from within. We will always receive the pulse. However, our minds tend to kind of, you know, leap us forward out of our bodies. And that's what creates this, this anxiety. So the lyrics on during this part of the reading were, I don't want to time travel no more. I want to be here now. So this feeling that the soul does not want to be in these mental realms or these consumer realms, that it wants to create something here and now, and that it's a time of letting go of what is not important to us. And Spirit said that what does not make it through the fires of soul was not meant for us. So going the distance being one of the major themes right now, being acknowledged at how hard that is, how challenging, and yet also acknowledging this is creating a resilient spirit and giving us skills that we are going to need to navigate this next timeline. Um, and there's going to have to be decisions made because there's this aphorism that's older than time itself that where attention goes, energy flows. And so as you make decisions about where you're offering your attention, uh, you're giving yourself an opportunity to curtail that consumership. You're giving yourself an opportunity to shore up these places where you're literally leaking your energy force and uh, essentially participating in something that wouldn't otherwise exist if people didn't participate in it. So um, we're going to constantly be talking about examples of how this is done, uh, kind of without even attention being on it, meaning where we kind of accidentally uh, let our energy go without even realizing it. Um, you also find that we'll be speaking to themes around intention and how uh, giving attention to your intentions can be extremely, extremely powerful, but it also has another component in that, you know, your body is a vessel, your mind kind of is another vessel. And keeping those two vessels clean is really the only way to give power to your intent. 
So there's kind of like a, a revolving door of the moment that you decide to end your consumership is the moment you start feeling cleaner and actually operating as a cleaner vessel, both in your mind and in your body. And, um, you know, society itself right now is on a uh, really, really rapid uh, deterioration pattern where if you are tapped into a collective narrative, you will find yourself needing to give an opinion or uh, retort towards someone else giving their opinion, you know, and the moment you do that, you're, you're obviously giving your uh, energy away because you need to put your attention on that in order to even be a participant. And so these are just the little things that once you have kind of a picture of the landscape and how you can pull your chess pieces back and not have them spread out all over the board, um, you'll actually start feeling like a cleaner vessel, both in your mind and in your emotional body and in, in your actual physical body. Um, and probably as this builds, we're going to find out that age or experience does not actually define courage or loyalty or presence will actually be able to find sources of all of these, both within the young and the old. So that's going to blow our minds. I mean, Marsha can give you examples of how children give us uh, an example of courage. And uh, clearly we, we have uh, un, uncountable amounts of examples of courage within the older generation right now. So um that's something you'll hear us speak to over and over is that this is actually a very ageless phenomenon that, that someone exhibits loyalty or courage. And so, as Marcia said, as you kind of find out that we're really in a serious situation, that you actually have a, a more uh, pressing um, priority to, to shore up these little uh, consumership uh, habits that that you find yourself discovering that you you never actually knew you had once before you set sail on a path of just simply wanting to be happier, you know, and not have to take a, a pill or a drug or a thing to, to actually find happiness. So um, one of the things that spirit just brought up while you were talking is that we also can consume other people's problems. So being aware that, you know, of what we're digesting, if it's other people's complaints, other people's problems, and we're just kind of listening to them over and over and over without end, that's also another form of consuming, you know, rather than, you know, creating uh, space for that person to feel supported, of course, but once it becomes uh, a life force drain and no one's moving in any sense of, of momentum, um, Spirit's also talking to that as being another form of of being a consumer. And the other theme that was really strong was protecting treasure and the treasure being our soul, our energy field, and knowing that we're always divinely protected, but that this is a time of great risk in, in the larger world. And yet we can move forward safely and securely knowing that spirit called it the nest egg. The soul is safe and sound, no matter what the fluctuations are in the world. But the biggest uh, question here was who and what am I loyal to? That loyalty is the most important theme. And that if we're feeling tested right now, that a true and loyal heart 
will always achieve its aim, that there's nothing to fear, that we have to embrace our courage, but we have to embrace the courage knowing that ultimately the treasure is protected, even though it may feel to a lot of us that, you know, the the treasure is not being protected very well right now. So that's a deep faith and knowing that um, ultimately love is going to win this, but that we have to remain sure and steadfast in our own integrity and in our own alignment, especially. And as you're, you know, finding yourself out in the world, um, you know, knowing full well that your body is a vessel, your mind is a vessel, your emotional um, state is a vessel itself, that you don't actually know when you'll be asked to be an example of strength for someone else. And this is why it's essentially required of us to maintain a clean vessel all the time so that the little nigglings or the weave guidance or the soul guidance, the downloads from above can actually be given the attention that they, that they require to be received. It's like if you're sullied by the grime of the consumer habits, it's very difficult to be in service when it's time to be a, a, a beacon of strength for, for someone out there, be it a child, it could be anything, any scenario. And so uh, part of the sanctuary is, is speaking to the importance of kind of uh, maintaining the willingness within that, because loyalty really consists of three things. It's courage, willingness, and commitment. And it's like, if you're off, you're off. Obviously, we're all having our off days. We're all missing steps from here to there. We That's where forgiveness comes in. But really, this is about having a net positive effect on those around us. And so maintaining your own vessel, um, maintaining the cleanliness of your vessel uh, by being in that creator mode, uh, maintaining a sense of presence in everything that you're doing. Uh, will actually make you a sanctuary for others. And that's why I wanted to mention that you simply don't know when you're going to need to be a beacon of strength or courage for another person. But if you're maintaining your creator reality, you won't have to ask, oh, what's what's going to be needed of me? Because you'll simply be ready for it. And um, that's kind of what they talk about as Kung Fu. If your Kung Fu is strong, then you're always ready. Whereas, you know, if you have lapses or there's just certain moments when you're not employing your art, well, then there are weaknesses and there's vulnerabilities within that. So it's literally boils down to our commitment to that which puts us in that creator reality uh, and relationship to our, our personal presence at all times. Um, further, I would like to speak also that our intention to be in service is one of the most valuable, uh, forms of intention that we can kind of employ. And it's a selflessness and a humbletude to the fact also that you too, you yourself are overcoming your own karmic ignorance, the same as everyone else. And that you know, everybody has challenges in their life. So um, being an example 
of humbleness within this and, and showing you too also are, are uh, struggling, showing that there's a humanness to you and that you can speak to maybe how you had trouble with obstacles in the past that will allow someone else to understand their path and that they actually are up against an obstacle that they may not even see. And um, the definition of a sanctuary is where we're speaking to these obstacles without painting someone in the corner as, as a certain someone or a certain uh, type of thing that's not um, living up to the collective litmus test. That's, that's fake space. That's fake safety. And we're going to constantly be drawing contrasts between the intention of a space and what an actual space is. So, um, again, this will be a politically correct verbiage free zone. And, you know, we're going to be constantly um, working within the dynamic of mutual respect without getting pulled into these collective uh, absurdities and these collective distortions. Um, Marsha, did you have another theme that, uh, well, it just really segues into what you were saying about, you know, this being an authentically safe space, um, not only here in this, you know, physical or, you know, online space call, um, but spirit really wanting us to know on a true, you know, human level that there's no need for us to patrol the borders of our life, like expecting an ambush or waiting for um, the next shoe to drop, that we can instead really just take a deep breath, take a deep sigh, and know that spirit is surrounding us in this powerful and this protective light, and that we will be alerted to any real danger long before it presents itself. In fact, we will be moved gracefully away from it before it ever shows up. So we probably won't even know about it, but it requires a deep faith and a deep trust, especially right now when our decisions may not be lining up with the story or the timeline that is being seeded. We have to trust that we are going to be taken care of, trust that a path will be made for us, that a way will be created. And spirit just encourages a lot of deep breathing and really sighing out our exhale to kind of rid ourselves of holding any energy of this tension that we're carrying just from simply being alive right now on planet earth and to observe any place where we might be allowing fear to take charge or to make decisions for us, whether that's financially or within our family or professional relationships, our romantic relationships, anywhere where fear instead of love is guiding to observe that and to tap into the safety which is offered in spirit. Spirit wants us to know that this is a formidable strength and it is able to protect us so that we need not fear a thing. So just going in alignment with not only are we you know, safe here in this space, but we can be safe in our soul to take that deep breath and to trust that there is a timeline for us, even and especially if we don't feel like we are fitting into the one that is being shaped. Very precious. Um, and we um, are definitely trying to create this sanctuary where people can bring their authentic 
challenges, their authentic um, confusions, their authentic uh, selves, where the places maybe where they're finding strength and where they're finding uh, that courage. And uh, what really defines the sanctuary is that you can speak to your deep personal topics without fear of being stigmatized or labeled. And so with that, I'd like to go ahead and open up the floor and uh, go ahead and unmute yourself. And, and Hi, uh, were you okay with me talking, Tom? This is Heather. Go ahead, Heather. Thank Hello? you. Hello. Oh, okay, great. Well, thank you so much. Um, first of all, I just want to say I'm super grateful. Oh, my cat is chirping in the background. She's grateful too. Um, for this space, I felt a full body sigh of relief when I was sent the invitation to be welcome in this space. So thank you both. And what my question is, as far as when you're speaking of keeping the temple clean, um, I have, I have two questions. One is regarding, um, uh, psychedelic, medicine or plant medicine or anything like that, um, as far as being used in ceremony or for heightened awareness, um, in an intentional way, is this something that either of you, I, I recently just today received somebody, uh, in one of my threads saying, Hey, please beware, please don't don't take that. They were talking about ayahuasca specifically. They said, please, you know, don't open yourself up. It's dangerous to open yourself up right now. And it reminded me that Marsha had said just recently, you know, please just be aware if you're going to be consuming alcohol, you know, you really are. I don't know how, I don't remember how she worded it, but essentially opening yourself up to possibly weirdness. Um, and then the other part of my question is, um, the other type of psych drugs, which is, I have a dear friend who is, um, has been on medication since she was very young, multiple medications. She's very much convinced that she needs to keep taking them for, um, her mental stability. And I want to encourage her <laughs> to, um, safely find somebody that can help her to taper off of them because I, have had the experience in my life that if I'm taking any kind of like an SSI or anything like that, that it does create like a block to spirit for me. And I wonder if either of you can speak to, to any of that. Marsha, I'll let you uh, go first. Um, okay. Yeah. Great question, Heather. So um, as far as the keeping the channel clear, um, specifically related to plant medicine, it's been my personal experience that when we attune to the plant and we have a very pure intention, um, particularly for me with the cannabis plant, uh, is my connection to the mother spirit. And it's something that I use to uh, just really revitalize both my physical body, my cells, but also just to cleanse my channel and it seems to work the fastest. So that's something that I've used for many years now. Um, but I also experienced um, from spirit, something that's, you know, spirit refers to as the pot dome, which is kind of this vibrational holdover place where 
people that are using cannabis can sort of get stuck kind of like an airport and it just keeps you in sort of this repeating cycle. So with any substance that you're going to be putting in your body, intention is really important so that we don't get locked in or even locked out of our body. Sometimes certain psychedelics can actually move us outside of our body in, a, in our form, and then we can have a hard time even moving back into the form. So um, it's always, you know, set and setting are very important. Intention is uh, in, incredibly important. And Tom, if you want to take over and speak to the plant medicine before we get into the multiple medications part. Um, yeah, there's, there's definitely um, kind of a threshold that an individual passes over where it's just kind of uh, the, the whole plant medicine topic becomes very, very subjective. And you wouldn't want to make any type of general statements as to whether it's helpful or deleterious uh, for any individual going through a certain challenge. Um, what I can say is that it is helpful to get to know the different individual plant plant medicines so that you can differentiate between the ones that are very conducive to you just being your own guru and using it with uh, a purposeful intent and uh, a, 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 a personal ceremony, if you will. Um, whereas other plant medicines are actually more conducive to being helpful if they're um, kind of introduced you through someone who can hold the space and, you know, in the, in the um, sense of the ayahuasca specifically actually be prepared correctly. And so um, there's a wide variation in that spectrum, um, you know, ca cannabis uh, maybe being on one end of that spectrum where it's, um, can be very helpful just by yourself setting the space and controlling the setting and using it with intent. Um, and, you know, obviously finding a cultivar that is conducive to the experience that you're looking for. Um, and there are other, there on the other side of that spectrum, there are, there are plant medicines that will give people a wide range of beneficial or deleterious effects based on what they did to take it, how they took it, who they were around. And a lot of it is a lot more dependent on the individual who sets the space and prepares the actual substance. And um, the very uh, precious thing that I've found with regards to entheogens is that they can be helpful at one time and then the very next time completely um, unhelpful in that they actually force you to accept the massive variation in our experience um, within a short period of time, so to speak. So like you could have a, a absolutely blissful experience and then turn around and have an absolutely um, incredibly troubling experience. And I think that that in itself is valuable because it forces us to have to accept the totality of our um, matrix. You know, it's like our inner world is incredible. And if you're going to put like boundaries or uh, guardrails on your inner experience, then you're, you're obviously truncating your development in a, in a massive way. So and entheogens can really, really force you to be more accepting in a general sense. 
And, um, you know, what Marcia spoke to is that when people tend to use it habitually, um, it tends to lose that, that expansive, um, inspiration for us. And that, that again, kind of lends back to what we were originally speaking to with that creator versus consumer, um, reality. It's like, it's the same with entheogens. You know, if you use entheogens in a consumer habit, you know, sit down and zone out to a video game or to a movie or, um, what have you, it's, it's one way of among millions of, of doing it. But um, we have to like accept people for what they are. There's individuals that have been using entheogens for years and they're just as shallow as when they started. And then there's other individuals that they use a certain plant partner for a very short time and they make these you know, massive leaps forward in their self-awareness and their general well-being. And it's just kind of like uh, that runs the gamut. And, um, I'm generally very supportive of people experimenting with them. However, you know, the world right now is <laughs> making it harder and harder to set the space and control the setting. So if you're good at that, then, you know, green light, go ahead with it. Um, Marcia, go ahead on that second, uh, phase of the question regarding, you know, what we're doing with pharmaceuticals or how we're orientating ourselves with that. So Heather, you were just saying uh, more like you would really just like to help your friend or encourage your friend to kind of safely find someone to help them taper off of this. Is that what I'm understanding? That's, that's a small part of it. And maybe it's, this is too big of a chunk to bite off, but really what I'm, what I'm wondering is, can we just do without those? Is there a, is there a safe place you know, for people to um, set down all of the disorders that were printed up and given to them and say, okay, uh, you know, maybe there is another way toward healing than just managing my, my neuroses, you know, um, just very quickly, I'll say, you know, my, my sweet friend that I was thinking of, when all of the mandates first came out, she goes, you know, I just won't wear a mask. I won't do it. She goes, it's my oppositional defiance disorder. And I just laughed. I said, I can't disagree more. This is not a disorder. You're using your brain to think you understand what's going on, but I'm afraid that I'm wrong. (laughs) And I don't want to say, stop taking your meds, but I kind of do want to say that. Okay. So yeah, I love what you just shared. And I, I personally believe that we will move beyond pharmaceuticals as our, our crutch and our, you know, I feel that this is uh, a phase that we are moving out of, but it also, it allows so much abdication of responsibility that it's very enticing to just get your pill box out every morning and take your eight pills and move on with your day and never, you know, think any more about your health. And I feel like what we're really going to be asked to do to create a space within our physical body for the soul to land is to create that clear channel. And that is probably not going to be available to us if we are taking so many pharmaceuticals. And it will take the will 
to want to be responsible for our health, I believe, like individually for that decision to be made. And as a friend, I think, you know, it's, I guess my personal opinion would be just you being you and living your radiant, vibrant self is advertisement enough that this person may, you know, eventually just see a reflection in you that they want to experience for themselves. Um, but regarding, you know, plant medicines, I also feel that when we tune into the plant itself, you know, whether we hold it in our hand or, you know, just put it near our heart and just tune into it, it always has a message for us. And like Tom was saying, you know, sometimes that message is like, don't mess around with me right now. Um, like I'm not good for you in this moment. And other times it's like, this is the most expansive thing that, that we could step into and embrace within ourselves. And, um, just being open to talk about it with folks, I think is, is just a really amazing step. If, if they're open to even talking about your personal experience, um, but I hear you on just, you know, wanting to be like, you don't need to label yourself because I think it's just so easy to say my this or my that. And, um, you know, back in my 20s, my mid 20s, I was on 13 different pharmaceuticals. And uh, I remember reading a book, I can't remember who it was by, but it was basically saying to me, like, if you're identifying with your dis-ease as yours, it's always going to be yours. Like it's just going to keep showing up as yours. So it really reframed me to be like, okay, this is not happening to me. This is happening for me. Then what do I need to do to step up? And my immediate response was this acupuncturist crossed my path and, and told me you can use a, you know, dowsing rod and you can use a pendulum and only one of these medications do you actually need for your body. And that medication was the only one my body like moved toward in the morning, everything else it rejected, but I wasn't listening. I was still just doing what I was told. And so I think I had to move out of that authority complex where a doctor has the authority over me and I didn't have the authority for myself. I had to see someone else living it and being like, you don't need to do that if you don't want to, for me to have the permission to use my own intuition, you know, to listen to what was already being offered to me from that space. And um, there's something to be said to uh, what Marshall was speaking to about that authority complex. I think that um, we grew up from day one within a sphere that defers critical thinking and common sense to authority figures and through our general education or public education, that form of deferral is uh, kind of ingrained and habituated in us. And when an individual gets, um, what is it? Um, <laughs> I can't even think of the word when a doctor tells you you have something. Uh, when you get diagnosed, when you get diagnosed with something, just that word diagnosis sounds like formal, it sounds really, really serious. And you actually develop a form of Stockholm syndrome, wherein you can't actually look away from what the doctor is telling you. And you can't actually deny the authoritative position that that doctor is in, in relationship to your predicament. And, um, 
what's actually happening right now in the collective, which is positive for your friend, is that she's seeing how doctors act like clowns and they run around with little, you know, squirty flowers and little noses that that honk. And it's it's truly a, a, a like a like a thing that will force her to see that these authorities don't have any intention to help us. And so her own diagnosis will need to be downgraded in some way. It's it's probably not something that will happen all in one watershed event, but she's going to be forced to, you know, maintain a, a question for herself, meaning if these assholes are so full of shit over here, what does that mean for the assholes that told me I have such and such? And so the um, for-profit medical system becomes even more evident, you know, to them. And the discovery aspect is both personal and discovery of the world, you know, meaning that the world doesn't actually operate the way you think it does. And, you know, due to your consumership, it actually is operating in even more, dare I say it, fucked up way than it needs to, because if we weren't consuming the distortion, the distortion doesn't have anything to to bounce off of or echo off of. So um, this is like Marcia said, you know, prescription drugs actually were needed for certain people in certain incarnations because it's an alternate to what we had before, which is just abject alcoholism or abject, um, I don't know what people, maybe like collecting tchotchkes back in the day before we had technology, people would get into bad habits of, of being just hoarders. And, you know, these things that got replaced by pharmaceutical drugs, we don't even understand them because we didn't live through them. We only grew up within this sphere where people are told you're a certain thing, but this particular pill will allow you to, you know, offset your courage. You can just put your courage in this little pill instead of embodying the courage that it would require to, like Marcia called it, have faith that you know, your soul and your, your, your higher self is actually providing all the protection you need. Um, the, um, the, there's an interesting microcosm versus macrocosm, your ability to carry presence in the face of distortion and chaos. That's courage. It makes you a beacon of clarity and humane solidarity meaning loyalty, the loyalty to humans, loyalty to human wellness, um, which was supposed to be the Hippocratic Oath, um, which is a safe space for others who have yet to embody courage. So you're out in the world and you literally are exemplifying presence in the face of craziness. You're now the safe space for other people who just don't have that around them. And that's why I said, you just don't know when you're going to be a sense of strength for someone else. And your willingness to remain an example of loyalty for others and your commitment to cultivate presence and strength allows you to be a microcosm of a safe space for another human. So obviously we look at that like as a parent, right? You're creating a space for your children to grow up and be well-rounded adults within. But we very rarely talk about that as our responsibility to 
strangers. So, you know, Marcia speaks constantly about how she doesn't bring a different portion or a different version of herself to different situations. She's the same all the time. She's bringing the most full version of herself to every individual. And that simply creates this continuity where your vessel, you're keeping it clean, is now being brought to others in the most clean way. You're not, you know, hiding or hindering yourself or manipulating yourself to be acceptable to another person. You're literally being your most authentic self. And so when we get back into that pharmaceutical aspect, it's almost as though these individuals needed this um, substance or this thing in order to circumnavigate around what would have been extremely um, life ending for them in a previous incarnation when we didn't have that technology, they would have used something that's very base like alcohol or heroin or something like that. And it would have taken their body. Um, and, and we're in a different timeline now where, yeah, they may not be quite as locked in as they otherwise might be without those brain altering drugs, but they also are not withering away in a ditch as a you know, a person that is not coping at all with their emotional state. So um, this is something that I, I find very valuable to talk about. And the question you brought up is so amazing to be able to launch into on our first um, sanctuary, because my family has always struggled with these reasons to be on pharmaceutical brain chemical changing drugs. And I've had very deep, meaningful conversations with my relatives where we just literally have to agree to disagree on whether it is a valuable thing to offset your responsibility towards yourself to a pharmaceutical product. And so um, this is something that I've had to come a long, long way in accepting others' decisions to maintain that type of lifestyle because I can't possibly understand what the alternative would be for them, be it suicide, be it uh, habits of substances that would just take them down uh, very quickly. So um, I hope that helps to some degree, Heather. I really hope we can continue you know, speaking to that because obviously America is got an addiction problem, both to the pharmaceutical side of things, uh, but also to, you know, alcohol and other other types of things is, you know, consumer, consumer media, obviously, is an addiction in and of itself. So um, I really try to kind of drill it down to that whole original Stockholm syndrome, where the authority gave you a label, which came in the form of a diagnosis. And that darn diagnosis, because of where it came from, it just penetrated so deeply. And it just takes a lot of time for you to see the the thinness of the veil. Now that, you know, doctors have really uh, found a hill that they're going to go die on now. Um, we have to watch that. We have to literally watch them fall on their swords. And for some people, that's just going to be so like, confusing and so cognitive dissonance inspiring in them because they put so much trust in those authorities. So um, again, we get back to the importance of sanctuary because as this gets more and more intense in the collective patterning, 
more and more people are going to be like, wow, I haven't had an adult conversation like that in so long. I didn't know how much I needed that. Just to be able to listen to other adults talking to each other. Oh my goodness. It raised my sense of maturity. <laughs> and, and I think that's really where I get a, a really great sense of listening to some of these doctors that are, you know, talking amongst themselves and saying, this is what I'm seeing. Do you agree? And they say, yes, we do agree. And they create a consensus. And so we have this, you know, ability to create sanity in a world that has gone sane, insane. And, uh, you know, we're essentially attempting to do that with sanctuary as well. How are you feeling, Heather? Anything else coming through around that situation or just in general? Mm, there was so much. I, yeah, I mean, um, it really is a topic that can be um, laced with political correctness and, and happy, woke uh language that um it really really pays to not um cast blame on people for making decisions with their lives but at the same time you know giving continued continued um stock in the authentic experience and that you know we're we're here to simply bring our experience to other people and that the whole earth is a sanctuary, then we can always feel comfortable to bring our experiences to others without fear of being marginalized, stigmatized, you know, cast out, you know, and that's where we're at right now. There's a, a, a widespread excommunication happening. Mm. And, uh, you know, if we can get a sense of maturity from these little microcosm groups that we build, then you can take that out with you in the world. And I think Marsha, you know, gave the best piece of best piece of advice is that there's not really any perfect thing you can say to your friend, but just being you and being an example of how it operates when you are, you know, sticking to your, you know, first reality, your authentic reality, and, you know, also maintaining that respect for your vessel, um, it, it may end up being that they're just going to be so enamored with, with the light that you give off that, like Marcia said, they'll want to try to find their own path within that as well. Um, One thing I did want to say, just because I can kind of feel the energy around this, is that we are not saying that people do not need pharmaceuticals. There are certainly people out there, like Tom said, who who absolutely need that bridge for their physical vessel or for their mental or emotional vessel and yet there are other paths i think is what we're trying to say is that there are um other opportunities available that that does not have to be the one and only way uh to solving that or i guess the the thing that comes through from like the level of soul is like anything that is happening within our body is a message and when we're just taking something to soothe the pain or to soothe the experience, we aren't addressing what, why the message is there. And so it's not about not taking the pharmaceutical. It's about understanding why 
why that disease or why that pain or injury is there to begin with. And then once we get to the root of that, we may find that we don't need that bridge any longer, um, or we may find that we do, but we will at least have gotten to the energetic source of why it's being created rather than just sort of superficially covering it up, which doesn't really allow for true healing and integration to occur. That's so helpful. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Both of you. Um, it, it's just good for me to know that I can offer something to her just by holding that light. And yeah, it's, it's interesting what you say about, um, what you were just saying. I was thinking, you know, I've had so much anxiety and panic in my life and it would, I have been diagnosed with PTSD, panic disorder, all these things, but I have absolutely every reason to have been feeling those things. They were 100% accurate messages coming to me. And I recently had, uh, a deep journey with cannabis, um, sort of involuntarily, I went, whoops, oopsie, <laughs> accidentally took too much, but it was perfect anyway. But I was, um, really very, very hyper aware of the contrasted energies that are around us currently. And, um, I could feel little, almost like pings against my light body. And I thought to myself, I'm probably, I know that I'm sensing this on some level throughout the day. And this is why I get these spikes of anxiety or like what you were saying, Marsh, about um, hypervigilance coming up. And I could very easily just say, oh, that's my panic disorder. That's from something from childhood, whatever. But there, there really is a reason for it. Absolutely. 100%. I mean, I could actually see what you were describing energetically as you were describing it. So yeah, you're completely right with that. Absolutely. And there is something to be said specifically about cannabis, um, more so when you're ingesting it than when you're um, inhaling it, that uh, it's THC specifically. When you're, when you're ingesting THC on an ongoing basis, you actually um, you'll be cleansing yourself, your organs and different things. And that actually decreases your ability to sully yourself, your vessel, your body with things like processed foods and most certainly alcohol. Um, and also, uh, forms of tobacco, you know, being around cigarettes or being around, you know, manufactured tobacco. Um, it just simply creates this, um, you almost just have a, a dissonance with it where before maybe it didn't, didn't affect you. And I've noticed that within my body that, um, I just simply can't consume alcohol the way that I used to be. And I'm not meaning to say that, you know, I can't binge drink it. Like I used to, I mean, just drinking normal quantities of it. My body takes it in differently. Um, it processes it differently. And I believe that that is specifically due to me, you know, changing my organs and changing my internals by long-term, um, you know, 
uh, use of ingesting THC. So uh, obviously you were speaking more to the um, energetic side of it where you're kind of getting a more granular um, perception of the contrasting energies. And I believe that is such the cannabis experience and that when you're going through life uh, using THC, you'll start to kind of get these nigglings of things that are uh, authentic reality and things that are kind of shining that, that, um, that tinny light, that not, that not shiny light. And constantly you can use that to your advantage to, to know what you resonate with and what's, what's, you know, primary reality. But, um, again, that implies that you're using it with intent and you're using it to, to expand yourself instead of, uh, simply processing the day or whatever, what have you. So, um, I definitely, I definitely, you know, hat tip to anybody who's out there, you know, like you say, doing, doing a little bit bigger dose, doing a heroic dose of uh, THC and, you know, allowing, allowing that to take place for themselves and allowing it to change them. Cause it can, you know, it definitely is a powerful thing. May I ask one more question on that same note? Please. Do you, have you found that you also have an aversion to, uh, you know, like chemical cleansers, anything like that? Because for me, like Windex, I can't anything like that, anything with or chemical fragrances, someone walks in the room with perfume on, I mean, I'm out the door. Yeah. Yeah. We've, uh, I think Marsha and I both have, uh, somehow, walk through some doorway where after that there's just an aversion to a lot of these artificial things that are in our, in our cleaning products and our detergents and our handheld soaps. Um, I don't know specifically when I crossed through that threshold. I noticed that, um, primarily I never got migraines before and I would begin to get migraines from, um, being inside of a house or a room or whatever, where food was being cooked and specific foods would set me off more so than others. And that, that was kind of on the more severe end of my spectrum. And the only thing that else that reached that severe end would be like these really harsh cleansers. And so I just had to make a, you know, choice in my own life to just kind of de-chemicalize my whole, my whole situation. And, uh, you know, it's been for the better, but I've noticed also that when you take that stuff out of your own lifestyle, when you go and you're in it by accident at someone else's house or at, you know, uh, say you go into a school or something, I've noticed that with the whole, um, you know, collective situation we're in, they're using these untested cleansers on everything. And so we're having to be in contact with things we've never been in contact with before. And I've noticed that I come away from some of these environments feeling very deteriorated and I can't obviously pinpoint any one thing that it could have been, but, um, you know, there's an interesting, um, thing that you brought up with perfumes, uh, honest thing to just go get a coffee from a coffee cart where the barista is inside this little place, uh, this little hut, and you go up to the window in your vehicle. And I've noticed that if they're using hand sanitizer that has any form of fragrance on it, and they give me my to-go cup, I can't even drink out of that baby because it carried over onto the lid or onto the side of the cup. And, um, that's really, really crazy to me because I grew up on a farm where you were dealing with really strong smells all the time. 
but they weren't manufactured smells. And so um, definitely going to say yes, indeed, on that one. So long, long answer to a short question. 100% everything that he said. I also have a hard time now with campfire smoke, like with wood burning. Um, I think we talked about this a little bit just privately, but Palo Santo is really the only wood that my body doesn't have like an adverse reaction to smelling. Um, but definitely cleansers. Like I've had to switch to all essential oil cleansers and um, the, the, deterioration that Tom's talking about with the cleansers I've also noticed with like going into restaurants that have TVs on even if the TV is not audible it feels like an energy deterioration as well so noise uh and and smell and um all of that stuff being really heightened and there are people who speak to strategies on how to like guard yourself or you know, what have you, if they have amulets or stones or whatever that they use, that's not really my domain. I kind of function off of pure intent. Um, I've noticed that when I set my own space going into um, the public sphere, I have way better luck. I come away from it feeling way more um, myself and just way more vibrant than if I just go rambling into a, a public venue without having, you know, kind of set my own intent. And the biggest thing that I've noticed is that when I ask to meet my own heart through the actions and the words of others, I tend to just find that it's an altogether more, um, a more amazing experience. And I, I've noticed that when you do that type of little setting of intention, that it also affects all the little variables that you come across. Like, you know, if there's a funny smell on someone's perfume, it won't like totally paralyze you, you know, when, when other times it could have, if you just go, go, uh, you know, stumbling into a, an experience. So um, again, this is, this is just something that I speak to is like, I'm, I'm fairly mental. Like i I forget to set my space. I forget to be intentional a lot of the time. I'm still, you know, learning my own Kung Fu and what Marcia said earlier, where, because we're being constricted by culture and by society, it just kind of forces us to become more intentful and to just, kind of clean up those little slipping points where you forgot to set the space for you forgot to, you know, let source choose, you know, let your body choose instead of making a total mental uh, aberration of the whole thing. So um, I'm still learning my path within that as, as well. I am nobody's guru. Um, but what I've been noticing is that there's a lack of very poignant, thoughtful um, communication between you know, adults with, with mature, mature, um, respect for, for the wide, wide spectrum of the human experience. Um, Marsha forces us to accept the wide spectrum of the human experience because, you know, a lot of times there's not even really, you know, great human words is like the English language just sucks at trying to describe some of this stuff. So we have to do the best we can. Um, but I feel like sanctuary is a great, you know, word for this because the idea 
of the safe space has been cliched. It's been totally um, distorted and the whole um, capacity to, to just simply hold um, an open heart for another person has, has really been lost within that. We're, we're using politically correct language. We're passing, you know, collective trends off as being kind of awake and and that's just not going to help anybody. So. Well, and it also goes back to the original thing that spirit said of like, what timeline are we seeding? Are we seeding this regurgitating narrative? That's not really our own. And if we're doing that, like if enough people keep doing that, that will become the reality because we are that powerful. So, um, it's just very, very important that we are, are authentic because every time that we massage our language or our stature or our presence to, you know, what's the language they're using right now that they're even using with the kids and the injections. It's like, it's time to do your part now for everybody else. And it's such uh, crazy psychological programming. And um, if, if we start doing all of our actions, you know, uh, in service to somebody else, when we're not listening to our own soul, we're missing the true archetype of what being service to others is because being service to others happens organically when we are authentic to ourselves. And this inverted matrix, it's a, it's a, it's literally the, the inverted distortion of the I am presence. It's the am I, the doubt, the uncertainty, and they, the archons and the powers that were, they can play on that human uncertainty and make us feel like we don't have the power um, and give us, give us a vision. You know, they're giving, they're telling us the vision and uh, programming it into us. And it's up to us to decide if that is the reality that we really, truly want to create. And every time we have a political correct way of speaking, we are creating an artificial timeline instead of an organic, true seated reality. And that, you know, lends to the original contrast between consumership versus creatorship. We are little workers on a conveyor belt. And that conveyor belt is either minting the creator reality or it's minting the consumer reality. So um, it it's not like you can choose to bring your hands back and not play on the conveyor belt. You are here on earth. You've already got this life. You're forced to, you know, mint these little these little doodads on our conveyor belt. And uh <laughs> I think in the, in the end, you know, you actually have to take responsibility for making some rather distorted little widgets and doodads on that conveyor belt while you were still a consumer. And then also with the safe space, we're going to be speaking to watching those around us do that right in front of us while we hold space for that to happen, right? Because you, you can't be a bulldozer. You can't be, you know, a wrecking ball. You can't be a, a bull in a china shop with regards to all your relationships with people, you actually have to hold space for them to make really crazy decisions. Um, and that's happening on a collective uh, level right now. And that's why sanctuary is so incredibly important. You make it with yourself first, and then you bring it to these little groups, and then you also bring it to the larger collective group. And so, um, you know, we'll just speak to how we're doing it and where we're having trouble doing it. Others will be able to do the same and we'll be able to learn from each other. And, you know, hopefully this will at least come away with a net positive 
result that, you know, it's kind of like the old thing where you don't know what you're missing until you get a little bit of that mana, you know, and then once you have that mana, it's kind of going to feel like crust and in vittles everywhere else, you know? And so, um, that's kind of what we're hoping to do is just simply raise the bar a little bit and, uh, not get all, you know, complex about it. But if we're creating a life, then we can speak to the little simplistic ways that we maintain that. So, um, what do you feel like, Marsha? Uh, do you feel like there's any other themes that we left off here? Or did we get things pretty much wrapped up? No, we got everything wrapped up. Just the, the feeling that we have what it takes individually and collectively to go to the distance. And if we've felt isolated or alone or depressed or, you know, these deep uneasiness, this hypervigilance, this anxiety, um, that this is this creation of our resilient spirit. And that doesn't necessarily make our human personality self happy. Um, but we can trust that it's purposeful and that even if we're feeling tested, it's our true loyalty being tested. And we're being encouraged to strengthen the bonds that are really based in friendship um, and ensure those uh, and their integrity, because it's these bonds of friendship that are creating and seeding the true reality. And, and one of the most beautiful things about um, you know, expanding our consciousness is that as we move into these greater realms of awareness, it, we're also deepening into the physical form. And so each footstep that we take has greater weight on this earth. And with that becomes, you know, greater responsibility to maintain that alignment, but it allows those around us to be magnetized and activated and shifted into their soul consciousness just by being in our presence. And all we have to do is breathe. All we have to do is be. And it doesn't take very many of us to shift the whole collective. And that's the most beautiful part. It doesn't take 8 billion people. It takes the square root of 1% of the population to be in alignment for the earth itself to be in alignment because the earth is a conscious being who desires alignment. Um, so it's all working in that favor and all this mess of craziness that we see, this madness that has happened over the last, you know, however many 18 months or so, this, this hijacked control is the oppressor that the soul needed, that the human spirit needed to, to change the game, to change it infinitely, and to change it for forever, to, to be as above, so below, to, you know, answer that Lord's prayer, which is thy father who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name, thy kingdom come, thy will be done through me on earth as it is in heaven. And that is what we are here to be. We are the living expressions of the spark of God. And every time that we connect in true authenticity, we anchor that into this reality. I feel like that's a uh, really great way to draw this down. Um, what we're going to hope to do is to come again every Monday evening. We're going to open up the waiting room at 7.15, and we give about 15 to 20 minutes to uh, jump in and get warmed up. Um, the 
resilience that we show in our everyday lives hopefully will be brought to the sanctuary, but I also hope that the strength and the courage that we find within the sanctuary can be exemplified out in the world. So um, with that, let's go ahead and uh, close the space. And uh, I guess if anybody else has any comments or questions, let's go ahead and wrap that up. And if not, let's just go take a few moments and uh, intentionally set the space and close it. All right. And with that, I really appreciate everybody listening and we'll go ahead and catch you on the next one. Thank you again. My name is Tom and this is Marsha with me. Thank, thank you again, everyone, for being here in real time. And for those of you uh, listening in the moment that you are called, we are so grateful to have you with us. This is Nashri Libertas and we'll see you next time.